You're listening to Overtired on ESN. I'm Christina Warren, here as always with Brett Terpstra. Brett, what's up? Okay, so as always, I'm going to start off with the, uh, my psychological state. Yes, I was going to say, how are things? How are the meds? What's the cycle like? What's, uh, how, how are, how's everything going? I don't <laughs> The cycle? <laughs> I don't know. That was an inside joke, right? Um, it was. Uh, so, um... I don't remember what where I was at last time we talked, but... You were trying or you're going off of something. Okay, so, yeah, so I wanted to go off stimulants. Yes. But I got, after a couple doctors retired and quit, and I got passed down to this racist fuck of an Iowa physician's assistant, and he cut all my meds, and then decided that I don't have ADHD, and put <laughs> me on Prozac. And I was like, okay... And so I tried that for a week, and uh, and I told him it wasn't working, so he said, double the Prozac. So I said, go to hell, and we had an angry exchange over the email system uh, for the hospital, and then I found a family practice doctor who would actually pay attention to the notes from the consults I've had at Mayo Clinic. And so just today, I got a ProVigil uh, prescription that I'll start tomorrow, and I will let you know... Next it time is the, is the best stuff in the entire world. Oh, I'm just going to say it right now. I love Provigil. I'm not a fan of New Vigil, but I love the Provigil so much. Well, that's perfect. Um, and I'm jealous that you get it. But dude, that was a. I spent a month almost completely incapable of working. Yeah, no, that's insane. Like, I, it's a good thing you work for yourself because, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of going through a similar situation right now, and it's impacting my productivity, and I can't quite explain to my employer like why things are you know what i'm saying i like, think it's, it's actually thing. worse that i'm independent right now because if i were in an office i would at least have some kind of structure like the worst thing for someone who's adhd is to be left to your own devices and expected to just like organize and task. no you're right what i mean though is that <laughs> for me like if i'm going through withdrawals or other medication periods it's hard to kind of hide uh, the yes. crazy from the office folk and that can create <laughs> tension in places that is not conducive to proper like office life that's why i never got ahead i was not good at hiding the crazy and and i'm generally not good at it either and i've kind of built my brand on not hiding it but like <laughs> there's still a certain like amount of like it's like oh it's fun for your brand it's not fun in real life christina like that's sort of the thing i did go from contract worker to head of the aol tech tech team yeah, in did. three years yeah, so exactly. That's what I'm saying. No, of so course, but I was a remote self- worker, so it's still easy to hide the crazy. Well, that's exactly it. Like you can, is, as long as you're remote working, then they can't see it and and like hear no evil, see no evil, that sort of thing. I can just type normal things and still be crazy in my head. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um, I guess can we skip straight to movies? Because because I haven't gotten any work done, I've been watching movies. To make myself feel better about getting nothing done. Which is awesome, because that's what I do on my weekends and stuff anyway. So yeah, yeah let's you, go straight you, to movies. You can get paid for it, because you kind of have a... Eh, not really anymore, but kind of. <laughs> I do I mean, not. I, I, I find a way to kind of break it, bring it into my real life, into getting paid for it, but... Look, that's been a that's been a struggle that I'm very proud of. It, it's taken me literally decades of my life to find a way to get paid for watching parts of television. Um... 
Yeah, but yes, no, but, but okay, but since you've been ADD and going through all this other stuff, you've been watching a lot of movies and spending a lot of time with our friends Netflix and iTunes. Yes. So let's talk about what you found. Well, okay, so I was never a big Nirvana fan. You're so weird. I, I know, but, well, I was, you know, high school, I was in punk rock, you were and like, grunge you were, you was like, the you, devil. You, and, and you were like, okay, it's cool that he liked the Pixies and the Breeders, but... Like I'm too punk rock for this guy. Well, he was too he was too mainstream. Like the that's whole Nirvana saying. thing. The whole, well, that's what I'm saying. Well, he but but Kurt himself was really into like the stuff you would have liked. Like you right. and Kurt would have been friends, right? Yeah. But like because they were so successful, you were like, this exactly. is too mainstream for me. I can't handle it. Even though like I was irrationally stuff. prejudiced. I mean, not I was that it was say, great music. No, but a lot of it is really freaking good. But I no, but I understand your point. I was you know 11 years old when he committed suicide, and so. Um, my era of really getting into the band was after Kurt died. Mm. So that's how I am with, uh, with, uh, Amy Winehouse, but I was at a guitar shop when the news came out that Kurt had died. We still listened to radio stations back then and it was playing and I was half drunk and I remember I laughed, which now I regret because, okay. So the reason this comes up is. Uh, the movie Montage of Heck, the story yeah. of Kurt Cobain, is really out on uh, HBO now. Yes, it is. And it was enlightening. I, I thought um, so, too. I feel, I feel like, yes, we would have been friends, Kurt and I, because yeah, I was- his childhood, the only difference between our childhoods was I had a very structured and supportive family, but my trials mentally were exactly like his. He just didn't benefit from having the structure, the safety net. Yeah. No, I mean, it's funny because this is why I was shocked when I, when I, when you just said you weren't a fan, because having read and, and known, been a Nirvana fan and, and known about him and the band even before this documentary, um, I thought to myself, I was like, yeah, you guys were like kindred spirits. Well, you know? I, I should say that, uh, and this will sound pretentious, but I really liked Bleach. Yeah. It wasn't until Nevermind that, well, and then Heart Shaped Box, I didn't, I guess I felt in like <laughs> they went commercial, man. They sold out. No, it's so stupid now. And I did, I did enjoy their Unplugged episode on MTV. Oh, yeah, it was an amazing episode. It wasn't like I ignored them. I made a conscious decision to rebel against the mainstream. And uh, and, and in, in years since, uh, Dave Grohl has become such an awesome person that yeah. makes me listen to the whole thing with uh, renewed interest. The whole idea of a self-taught garage band that just made it because they worked their asses off. Yeah, and I mean, and the thing with the irony about them becoming mainstream and like displacing Guns N' Roses, um, you know, from um, like the, the the most playlist and that sort of thing, you know, from from like really like saving us all from from like hair metal. Um, is that they weren't trying to be mainstream. You know, everybody else ended up adopting kind of that culture, but they, and, and to a lesser extent, the Smashing Pumpkins and, you know, um, uh, you know, Rage Against the Machine and some of the other kind of things of that era. Obviously, you know, uh, Trent Reznor with Nine Inch Nails, again, different style music, but same sort of thing. Like, it was this really weird period where genuinely people who were bucking the establishment trend and were well, not it, the it establishment. Wasn't, it wasn't new, though, because... No. I mean, like, the, the initial, the classic punk movement was a rebellion against bands like Zeppelin and what, right, but the what was the equivalent though, of hair metal, you know, yes. at that point. But no, of course, I'm not saying it's new. I'm saying what was new was the fact that it became this commercial entity into itself, whereas classic punk, it was revered and respected. Yeah, but and it became sort of commercial, like, too. It did become commercial, but not the same way. 
like uh, not to the point where like it literally was well, shaping see, fashion it, and everything else until did, way though. later. It, did, it well, did it did shape fashion, but it shaped it. I think in retrospect, I don't think that it well, did. It shaped the same it way. after it became post punk and prog rock. Right, and so it wasn't while it was still happening. Is is my point? Yeah. Well, um, and, and I don't honestly know. I mean, at the time that Nirvana hit big. I think the world was ready for it. I think you're right. Yes. We, we were done with hair metal and all of a sudden grunge, Mud Honey and Nirvana and Tad and yep. all these bands came out. And I didn't I didn't mind grunge. I, I was grateful to have something new. I just felt like it was trying to be hardcore, but it was just mopey. Well, I mean, it's emo before emo was a thing, you know, and, and it kind of was kind of the reintroduction of that sort of movement. See, but Mud Honey wasn't, but but Nirvana, if you if I had to choose between Nirvana and Pearl Jam to live with for the rest of my life, Nirvana would win hands down. Absolutely. I, I mean, this shouldn't even be a conversation. And frankly, Pearl Jam, I've seen them live and they gave such a half assed kind of show. And this was in 2000. I was so disappointed. You know, they were not cheap tickets and the whole thing was so half assed. A Sonic Youth opened for them, who was actually quite good. But like, I like it was, Sonic Youth. I like Sonic Youth too. And, and, and that's sort of my point. I was like, you know, like, screw you. Um, that was my reaction to Soundgarden. Although, you know what? I will say this about Soundgarden. Soundgarden, freaking good um, live. See, I like saw him live. live. It was actually one of my first, like, stadium concerts was Soundgarden. And uh, it was an impressive show. But it was not... I guess there are no stadium shows that really excite me. Yeah. I like, no. I like small venues. Like, First Ave is about as big as I, I really I, enjoy <laughs> I saw them. I saw them at um. There, so Atlanta used to have uh, this radio station called ninety nine X, which was our big alternative station, and they were responsible for you know kind of breaking a lot of um, Atlanta kind of based you know alternative acts and stuff in the south and whatnot. And they used to have this thing called Big Day Out, which was kind of like your classic like major radio station kind of you know all day festival or two day festival. And so they have a couple of stages and have bands play and that sort of thing. And Soundgarden, it wasn't too. It, it was. I remember not liking Sour Girl when that was in the radio. So this was after they had already been around for a while and, and he'd gone through his drug issue and kind of come out of rehab and other things. And I was shocked because I wasn't really a big fan. And then um, seeing them live, I was like, oh, okay. Hmm. I, I guess, you know what? I don't think I'd ever actually really listened to Soundgarden before I went. I got the tickets for free. That's kind of how I ended up at a Kid Rock show, too. Except it wasn't a kid rock show. So this uh, this guy this is this guy led a pit bull into the apartment I was living in. And I was wrong. I haven't seen Soundgarden. I was thinking I was thinking Stone Temple Pilots, and I'm stupid oh, that's and even I'm correcting worse. myself. Stone Temple Pilots were great live. Um, Soundgarden. I was a big fan of uh, the Black, Black Hole, Hole Sun. Sun. I love that video. Love that song. I still do. It's 21 years old. I still love that. I still love it. That says a lot about you. No, I'm it just does, kidding. but I was like, I was like ten years old when it came out. I'm a big fan. Okay, so so this guy lets a pitbull into my apartment, and I think I've told you about Trouble before, right? Yes. You, okay, we, so we, we, it we was about it trouble, was yes. the dog that killed Trouble, Ugh. and it tore up the apartment. And his um, compensation for the destruction of my property and the death of my cat was to give us free Metallica tickets. And you know, I'm not going to turn it down. I'm not going to no. be like indignant about it. I took him sadly. And we went to like a, a memorial Metallica show. And uh, it turned out when we got there that Kid Rock was the opener. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was amazingly bad. 
It was yeah. awful. Um, I was supposed to see Metallica at Ozfest one year, and James got Metallica was good. I'm, I did. Kid Rock was what? Sucked. Yeah, no, totally. Well, I was mad because we were all supposed to go see Metallica, and you know they're supposed to be at this headliner for Ozfest, and then James got a DUI, and then they lied about the fact that he got the DUI. <laughs> they made some other stuff up, and we were like, we know he got the DUI, and they had to find a way to like refund our tickets and get us into another show and whatnot. No, Metallica was fine. Um, speaking of documentaries, their documentary um, about a through the never. No, it's like something monster. Oh, um, some kind of monster. Some kind of monster. That's exactly what it is. That it's one was okay. Good. It's okay. I mean, it's interesting just because you see like just how dysfunctional they are. <laughs> yes, I mean honestly, as people, I'm not a fan of the Metallica members except for no. Hammett. Uh, yeah, but uh, but as a band, uh, especially. Actually, all through their career, I, I haven't really followed them after like uh, Fuel, but up until then, they they were cutting edge metal. They always they were always on the vanguard of yeah, you know, thrash, and it was I love Metallica's they, music. They were great until they sued their fans, you know, right? And that was kind of right, the and then them. politically, I started hating them. Yeah, and and that that was like the the weirdest moment of my life that happened in the last few years was I was at the Spotify event in New York City, and all of a sudden. And they start passing beers out to the crowd and we're like, this is weird. Um, but it was noon and apparently that's something you do in Sweden. Like it's apparently a common <laughs> like European business practice. So this is the weird moment where I'm a journalist and, and I'm people are passing me beer and um, I'm sitting next to somebody from the Wall Street Journal and somebody from the New York Times is nearby and other stuff. And they're all like looking down on their beers like they're not going to drink it. And so I started chiding them and I was able to I was able to like basically like bully the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal into drinking their beers, which, OK, amazing on my on my part right like that's that's kind of badass but the the thing that then blew my mind was that sean parker one of the founders of napster daniel elk the the you know uh, founder and ceo of spotify and lars freaking ulrich <laughs> all get on stage together and have this very awkward conversation about the fact that metallica is now coming to spotify and it's the first time that that sean parker and um you know, uh, uh, Lars had really talked since the whole thing in the 2000s happened. And Lars starts lying through his teeth. Oh, we never sued our fans. And I laugh. I laughed out loud. And he turned around the crowd and like looked at me. And I was like not even trying to stifle it. And I'm tweeting. I'm like, this is the most amazing display I've ever seen. And it was weird because I realized at the moment I was one of the very few people in the audience who was both old enough to recognize <laughs> the significance, but also young enough. Because there young were... Enough to you know, care. Right, because there was a certain, uh, you know, like factor of, of the music press who were too old to really understand why this mattered, and then there was a cadre who was too young to understand why it mattered, and well, I was like in the perfect gauge point where I was like, "This is bizarre." I don't have an issue with someone withholding their music from streaming if that's Me part either. of their like uh, monetization or brand strategy. But no. to sue, to outright, well, and this was, was Napster thing. days, wasn't this it? This was Napster days. Well, that's what I'm saying. And, and so that's why it was weird that they were, you know, come, they're making this big announcement that they're coming to Spotify, you know. And in a lot of ways, it's kind of a capitulation, capitulation that their battle against Napster ultimately failed. Their and battle so against Parker, the future. Yeah, and, 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 and so Sean <laughs> Parker wasn't, it, has been involved in both. It was telling that he was there. And, and, and it was very clear, you know, from Sean Parker's perspective that he probably did not have a whole lot of love for Lars Ulrich. And I'm sure that deep down inside, that billionaire was thinking, ha-ha, showed you, um, making you my bitch, you know, 15 years later. But it was one of those weird moments, though, because I remembered so vividly that that was when my Metallica love ended. 
Um, it's interesting to think about talking about going back to the montage of Heck and, and, and Nirvana. And I've thought about this a lot. What would have happened to that band had he not died? Um, certainly, I think that In Utero was a really good album. And, they would have quit, though. I mean, I after do think In that Utero. Would have, yeah, I mean, I think that th- th- that probably would have happened. Or they, you know, I wonder what the what the, you know, output of work would have been. Um, it's interesting to think about. Um, but at the same time, I wonder if culturally, not, of course, that, that his, his suicide is nothing but tragic. But I do wonder if culturally um, they would have I, I certainly don't think they would have been as relevant. And I don't think the impact subsequent to the fact would have been anywhere near what it was. You know, I think he, you're wrong. He became, no, I, I think that he became a John Lennon figure the moment he died. See, I don't I, I, I guess I didn't experience i didn't have that uh impression of the whole thing like at the time that in utero came out like they they had already died once like they had quit and then they pulled it back together and did in utero but they hated the press they hated the publicity that's my point if if he hadn't killed himself they would have just disbanded within a year anyway Right, that's my point. I, and I the martyr, the I don't know, I don't think, I think they were so big to begin with that the martyr thing didn't really, I don't think it boosted them much more than they already had launched. Oh, I think it definitely did. I mean, there was an entire kind of generation of kids like, and, and I'm talking about myself here and other like millennials, you know, older millennials who we were not really into them when Smells Like Teen Spirit was on the radio or on MTV because we were like in first grade. Smells like, like Teen Spirit was a middle school dance for me. Yeah, and I was so like, Enter Sandman. And I was like in the second, <laughs> and I was like in the second grade, and so, but it became, you know, Nirvana became this the kind of like band that everybody cared about because of, um, you know, they got this larger than life persona. It uh, must be a generational thing. It really must because I think they actually diminished in my generation after that. I think they probably did, but I, I, but I don't think the fact that, like, I don't think it's documentary. I don't think the band would still, like, there are still kids today that are, like, listening and loving Nirvana. I don't know if that would have happened if, if the band had remained or if not the band had remained. Because, like you said, I think they would have broken up. But if, if Kurt hadn't killed himself. It's possible. I'm not one to theorize, to prognosticate. Sure you are. Not really. I really, really, like, even, I don't think I ever accept predictions or uh or or hypotheticals i like to think about it but i don't i i I refuse to take a any kind of verbal stance on anything that isn't grounded in uh proven facts it's 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 not it's not a philosophical thing it's just my brain does not i i don't know it's kind of why i'm an atheist i think (laughs) i just my brain will not accept uh, potentials that don't have enough empirical data behind them. This episode of Overtired is brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Casper makes an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price, especially for a mattress made in America. Casper mattresses offer just the right sink and just the right balance thanks to two technologies, latex foam and memory foam, that come together for better nights and brighter days. Casper mattresses range from only $500 for a twin to $950 for a king-size mattress. 
mattress. What's great about Casper is that they have a completely risk-free trial and return policy. So you can try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days with free delivery and painless returns. So Brett, you recently got one of these, didn't you? Yeah, I've had one for long enough to say that I honestly love it. I slept so well last night. So if it works for Brett Terpstra, it's at least worth trying if you have trouble sleep, right? I mean, we are a show called Overtired. Um, one thing I should also note about Casper mattresses is that their latex foam is actually like a synthetic latex. So if you're like me and you have a latex allergy, it's not actually going to cause you problems. Yeah, my wife has that and she has not had any issues. That's great. I love the videos of how they, you know, how it arrives to your house um, just in this box and then it just kind of unravels um, in uh, in slow-mo, which is cool and makes it very convenient, you know, a lot better than the typical, like, having to get a mattress delivered. If, um, if you're in a house like you are, Brett, that might not be a big deal, but if you're in an apartment like <laughs> I am, that is a big deal. So you can get $50 towards any Casper mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash overtired and then use our promo code OVERTIRED. Should be easy to remember. Terms and conditions apply and uh, go get some good night's sleep. All right, so now let's talk about making popcorn in a dorm room. Oh, yeah. 30 years ago this year, or this month, actually, there was a movie. It was back when I still loved Val Kilmer. Back when everybody still loved Val Kilmer. Although back, back bang, when people kiss, knew who kiss, he was. Bang, bang. Was that the name of that movie? Yeah. That one was really good. But anyway, back to 30 years ago. You were two. Yep. Everybody wants to world. And a, uh, it's classified as comedy romance sci-fi movie called Real Genius came out. Great movie. And it was a, a futuristic, to some extent, movie uh, about a fictional college uh, for nerds. What college was it supposed to be? Um, Caltech, I think. Was it? But anyway, like, it was the super geniuses. And uh, if you haven't seen the movie, I'm not going to plot summarize it for you because it's a classic and you should know but if you haven't seen it go see it that and uh no they're really i can't remember any movie from the 80s that i watched as many times except for maybe the holy grail but that was just that became the background movie for my youth but um but yeah real genius man it was uh i think it it, it shaped my life in a certain way really I think I, that was it was the reason I started thinking I was going to go into computer science to begin with. That's really amazing. Uh, the dude in the closet. What was his name? I forget. Yeah. Um, Laszlo. Was it Laszlo? Yeah, Laszlo. Laszlo. That's who I wanted to be. I had I had great aspirations of being the guy in the closet that kind of ran everything. Um, but <laughs> plus, I knew that personality wise, I could relate to him. Uh, but they had uh, a female character. Yeah. And uh, she, at the time, at the time that the movie came out, there were not a lot of women in, in engineering. No. Um, well, there were, ironically, there were more than there are now. Actually, now, for the class entering, uh, for the 2018 class at Caltech, there are two women to every three men. Right, but when we look at graduation rates, 18% of computer science graduates are women versus 37% um, in um, 1985. All right, but it's still, I don't think there are fewer, are there? Well, I mean, look, you might have more people who are enrolled total, so 
your per- so in a pure number sense, there might be more women. But I I'm hate saying as your per- but, but but I'm saying in terms of your percentages, we've it, more fewer than half. Like it, it, again, thirty eight percent, thirty seven percent in nineteen eighty five, eighteen percent in two thousand fifteen. Wow, that's a problem. So and and that's 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 been a trend for a long time. And so. You know, yeah, you might still have like it's great that Caltech has two women for every three men, um, but when you look at graduation rates or even second year rates, that changes dramatically. Well, they did find that even female professors had a bias against female yes. scientists and engineers. Yes, which is yeah, that's a problem. But real genius made one of the main characters female, which I feel was kind of um, thirty years ago. Yeah, no, that was a big deal. I mean, certainly I think the stigma was even though you had maybe like a higher percentage of women um, graduating in those careers, I think that you certainly had um, one of those things where um, having it was certainly more of a stigma uh, about the idea of being a woman engineer and and, and that sort of thing. So, um, I mean, let's be let's be fair. I mean, the character was was not really well represented in the term you know she was kind of made into kind of a you know i mean she's kind of she was a love interest right but you know still she was there and that's that's cool and and she was represented as intelligent and fully capable although although very uh awkward yes very awkward but capable which i think was more important i mean you know the awkward thing i could i I probably took some some qualms within my youth in retrospect i loved awkward girls but but well i mean but being like somebody who was technically inclined in my youth, it was disappointing to always see the, the nerdy girl be the awkward one. Like, why couldn't she be, be like, why couldn't she have a personality too? You know what I mean? But I, I, in retrospect, I think I would prefer that to not having um, her have any you know, role at all. Well, yeah. Or, or just being uh, or just homogenized. Being, like, yeah. I don't know. I think, I think one of the problems, and there's this article written by uh, Phyllis, I don't know, Rusticus or Rusticus, um, about how she, it's in Slate, about how she, she inspired that character. Um, and and she, she goes into kind of her history in, uh, in the STEM uh, career. And it's, it's actually, I don't know, she talks about how she has always had to make an effort to not emphasize her, her gender. Yeah. Not wear makeup, not wear uh, feminine clothing, not to like, you know, cross dress, but to avoid being yeah. feminine. And that is like to this day, that is something that I I don't know if it looks like that will change in our lifetime or not. I don't know if it will or not. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I try to try to push for both. And it, it's one of the reasons why I get really bothered when a lot of people's reaction for certain things is like... Oh, well, you know, um, we need to get, you know, don't, don't be interested in Barbie or this or that, you know, be interested in, in you know, the, the, the technical things, the smart things. And I want to be like, if you're interested in dolls, or you're interested in fashion. That doesn't mean you can't be interested in tech, too. You know? Yeah. Well, like that doesn't I, mean I, you can't have sim interests and want to apply it in other ways. Being a girl in tech shouldn't mean being a boy. Exactly. Just like being, you know, uh, a, a minority race in America shouldn't mean having to be white. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, no, you shouldn't have to feel like you have to be overly feminine either, but there's something to be said. I think, I think you're exactly right. Being a, being a girl in tech shouldn't mean being a boy, being minority shouldn't mean being white. And, and it's problematic that that's still kind of the the most successful people tend to be those that blend in the best. 
Yeah, well, at least, I guess, for our generation, for my generation, we are way more painfully aware of that situation. So there is change happening. We haven't changed anything. Right. You know, we've offered some more opportunities for people that we had previously essentially repressed. Right. Um, but it, it, our awareness, I think, over the next couple generations will lead to change. Like for, yes. for my generation, the idea of gay marriage is extremely easy to accept. Overall, right. by and large, 70 percent. It's, it's cool with us. And our parents were more like, um, at least in my experience, not my parent in particular, but they were more like, well, it's cool, but I don't, you know, I don't really want to know about it, that kind of thing. Right. And it never would have passed into law. Never right. would even made it to a Supreme Court decision. No, I mean, e even like looking at President Obama, a lot of people had his position, which is like, yes, on he was like, OK, well, you know, before he, he was president, he was like, well, I'm in favor of, of civil unions, but but not redefining marriage. And, and obviously he changed his mind. But I think that's where a lot of people were. They were like, well, fine, do whatever you want in your own life. But I don't want to see it. Whereas. Your generation and my generation are like, I mean, your generation is definitely accepting mine is even more so where it's just like, pff, yeah. Yeah, you know? well, marriage is becoming less important, I think, yes. uh, socially to us. Oh, completely it is. Um, so if but, it just means, if it means being able to visit a loved one in the hospital, yes, everyone should have it. Honestly, well, I, I don't care. I don't right. care if anyone gets married. Well, right. But I also feel like it's one of those things where we just accept that, you know, you know, because we're becoming in, in, in a lot of regards, although I do think there is going to be and it'll be coming very soon kind of cultural backlash to this. But we've become a much more secular society, which I think is a good thing. Um, unfortunately, I do think that there's and I don't want to get into this in our podcast, but I do feel like there is going to be a, a tie turning on that. Um, I can feel it coming. It will not. It will not win. I agree. Um, I, I do win. agree. There is. I don't think it'll win, but I think, but I, I can feel it coming from like a from from my generation. I can feel the the secularism like getting weaker in some ways. Yeah. I, I I can see the rise of the vloggers who are Christian <laughs> and have yes, that whole but thing. they the, are the whole seriously. They're 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 not as powerful as as we think. No, they're not. My my point though is that we, you know, there, were, up there are tumultuous times ahead. Yes, there that's are. All I'm trying to say. But, but Real Genius is 30. It's a great movie. I haven't seen it in a long time. It was my best friend uh, growing up. It was her favorite movie. She used to watch it almost every day. Um, it's a good movie. Um, the end scene is great. Um, uh, we won't ruin it too much, but it's, just, it's a really good movie. And it, it made Val Kilmer, I mean, that was kind of the height of his career. But that and Top Secret and um, uh, uh, Lost Boy, Boys, you know, is basically like his moment. Yeah, I don't even remember what happened after that. I lost track of him. He did a few, like, wasn't he in uh, Heart of Darkness? Or... Yeah, and, and he was in, uh, I mean, he was Batman. Oh, yeah, that was not good. No, it wasn't. That I was mean, the one he... with Arnold as the as yep. ice. Mr. Uh, Freeze. Mr. Freeze, yeah. The one with um, uh, Nicole uh, Kidman. Um, uh, but, yeah, it was uh, Batman Forever. But, yeah, no, he was, um, he was Batman. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that happened. But then that uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah, that was a good movie. I enjoyed that one a lot. I was surprised by that. But anyway, okay. We have so many. It's all movies. Let's talk about uh, uh, a certain uh, Ryan Adams cover. Yeah. Well, or, or a cover that Ryan Adams did. Well, he's doing a whole thing. The whole album? He's doing the entire album and the bonus tracks. 
Okay, why don't you tell people what album? So Ryan Adams is, um, like all of us, a Taylor Swift fan. Like, for reals, reals. And he is covering, in his studio, he is going track by track and covering 1989. And he's doing it kind of in the style of the Smiths and kind of in the style of some 80s stuff. And if you listen, he's been posting samples on his Twitter and Instagram. They sound absolutely amazing. Doing the entire album seems excessive. It does, but, you know, he's one of those creative guys who sometimes he's, you know, he's released in some years, you know, multiple albums. And um, I don't know. He's a weird guy. Um, Has anyone ever done an entire cover album? I mean, like an album of an album? Yeah, uh, Rufus Wainwright did uh, um, uh, the um, um, Judy at Carnegie Hall. Um, And there have been some other people who've done that sort of thing. But it's, it's, it's a rare thing, and it's certainly not... I haven't seen it where someone has done it uh, from an album that is still in kind of, you know, pop culture, you know, that is still being sold, that is still like has significance that hasn't like had more time left. I think I heard an entire a Muzak version, note for note of Dark Side of the Moon once. Yeah, there are a lot of those. And obviously <laughs> there was the uh, who was the, uh, you know, the the people who did the um, the H, the, the chip. Oh, version yeah. Oh, of, yeah, uh, that's right. Uh, a pretty eight machine. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of those types of things, but in terms of an actual, like, recording artist who has his own tours and his own things, who's doing another recording artist, every single song, and reimagining them in different ways, is, um, it's something that happened in the 60s all the time, right? But it has, it isn't something that's happened kind of in, in, in our um, kind of parlance. And um, I have to say, like, if you, if you follow him on Twitter, the real Brian Adams, and he's been putting his stuff up, and he... I mean, they sound fantastic. Um, and Taylor Swift is obviously very excited, and she's been retweeting stuff. And uh, or the Ryan Adams is his Twitter handle, sorry. And she uh, has been excited about. But I, but since I followed both of them, I was like completely and totally just beside myself when I when I found out about this. And I tweeted something on Sunday night when he released some Bad Blood um, stuff, and he. Uh, he favorited that tweet and then she favorited the tweet a little bit later. So you my life was like, my life was like made one degree from Taylor Swift. Now that ha- that's how t- retweets were or favorites, right? Yeah. Your friends now. I, I wish. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it's, it's getting there, but no, basically, um, no, but he's doing every single, um, so he's doing, you know, he's released things from wildest dreams, from shake it off, from style, from bad blood, um, from uh, wish you would, um, I know places he says he's doing the whole thing and it, it I mean and it's not a joke like it's one of those things that at first you think would have been like a joke and it, he's not but he's doing it very much in the Smith style too which is what makes it amazing like so it's kind of like this this great kind of cornucopia of, of music amazingness um, I don't know he's really creative I really like him I'm very sad that he and Mandy Moore didn't make it but I uh, I'm a big 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 fan of uh, his I will withhold any judgment until I have checked out some of the sample tracks yeah you gotta listen to just I mean they, he's only released like like little 30 second snippets but genuinely like when you hear it it's one of those things where I've been going huh, wow this is really amazing and uh, no he's, he's been doing it on, on his Twitter and on his Instagram um, wasn't uh, Mandy Moore in Saved she was I think that might have been the only thing I ever saw that I remember her in Oh, I saw her in the Princess Diaries. I don't. And she, I don't she was in a, she was in a walk to remember. Don't I don't think I saw that. But I did see Saved. I own Saved on DVD. It's a great movie. It was an awesome movie for someone who grew up in like a Baptist evangelical uh, upbringing. 
I knew like everything, every joke in that movie <laughs> hit home for me. <laughs> I got it. It was fun. Um, okay. So since we're back to movies anyway, there was a movie quite a while ago, um, done by a member of the for, former member of the state, uh, comedy troupe and Stella, uh, David Wayne made wet, hot American summer. And yep. it came out to very little critical acclaim at that point. And I did actually see Hurricane of Fun. I have seen this. This was oh, the good. documentary about the making of. So I've seen this. I've seen Wet Hot and I've seen First Day of Camp. So we can talk about the whole thing. So okay. go on. Sorry. Go on. So, so it came out. It, it didn't really do anything box no. office or success wise. But over the years, it pretty quickly became a cult classic. Yes. And, uh, and these days, I think most of my friends have seen it and, and love it. Uh, and then recently they did a Netflix special, um, kind of like uh, Arrested Development season, where they just released this entire season of a show based on the movie that's like a prequel to the yep. movie. And they brought back the entire cast with some new people, like the dude yep. from Mad Men, who was awesome. Yeah, John Hamm. Uh, and, well, both of them, actually. John Hamm he, and John Slattery um, plays, are both in it. He plays an assassin for President Reagan. Um but uh, but yeah, and, and Roger from Mad Men plays a, a kind of a sleazy uh, theater director. Um, yeah, and no, they're all believe, super old. They're all super old, well, which the, is the, part the, of the shtick. The, I mean, part of the thing of the first one was that they were all about ten, you know, or or, or so years too old to be playing. Yes, or twenty years, you know, it was, it was you know t- ten years too old to be playing the parts. Yes, and um, it was the last day of camp. So now they're now it's you know almost fifteen years later. They're going back to the first day of camp where they all look even older, and, <laughs> and some of them have aged better than others. Like I, w- I would actually argue Janine Garofalo amazingly looks better. She, yeah, I would say if at least as good. At least as good, and she looked good in that movie. Like that was she was in her era when she was looking good, right? But like she she looks as good or or better. Um, and I I would say you know obviously because he's a star now. Bradley Cooper looks I was, really good. I was kind of surprised they got him to come back for that. Entire... I think they got him for one day. And so oh, really? you notice in one of the scenes he's wearing a ski mask when he's the DJ at the at the dance. Yeah. I think that that was because like they they had to like make that comment so that that they they you know they could have the background shots. But yeah, unlike Arrested Development, where they had to shoot a lot of it on green screen because they didn't have a lot of time with the actors. In this case, I mean, it was clear that they had some actors for some periods of time and and not and, and others for others. But there were a lot of they got to all interact together, or at least the characters did. It wasn't like you were watching a bunch of people acting to green screens, which. Um, I very much appreciated. Um, Paul no, Rudd you, was awesome, by the way. Paul Rudd was fantastic. Um, you know, because it was a lot of these people's first movie. It was it was Amy Poehler's first movie. It was Bradley Cooper's first oh, movie. The cast, the cast it, in in context of today's comic stars, yeah, that cast Everybody. was amazing. Yeah, everyone from that movie launched. It was bigger than SN, like a season of SNL for launching. New careers. Oh, completely. Well, what's funny about it is that it took until SNL and some of these other things for those, you know, people to really get their due. But you go back to this gem of a movie, as you said, you know, the, the Michael Showalter and David Wayne did, and they they nailed it. They clearly knew. I mean, whoever their casting person was for that movie for, for the original, um, she, because I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it was a she, because most casting directors are women, deserves like huge kudos. You know, Elizabeth Banks was one of her first films. You yeah. know, and um. She's gone on to be a huge star, and and it's just, it's it's very funny. It, yes, it, Lake Bell was in Lake the, Bell in the, in the, the remake. Prequel. 
Yeah, or, she's no, I great. should say the prequel. The prequel. She's great. So is uh, uh, Josh Charles, who's fantastic. Kristen Wiig has a has a role in it. Oh, and Ken um, Marino. Yeah, Ken Marino, because he was in it too. All the Slate guys were mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, it 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 was um because uh, at the time, you know, when it came out, the, the the big stars was kind of like some of the people you knew from the Slate from 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 the state rather, you know. But it was basically Jeanine Garofalo and um, David Hyde Pierce. Yeah. Um, were, were were the were the big ones and 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 Christopher Milioni even at that time even though he was and Molly Shannon Molly Shannon was was well known for that even though he was it was funny because he was on both Oz and SVU at the time but you know SVU wasn't like the big hit that it became and so um, that was one of the first times he really got to show that he's a, a funny freaking guy um, but yeah you know even like down to like having sam levine who did the voice of Artie, you know the, the camp kid and they they kept him doing you know the, the oh voice. and uh uh john h benjamin h john yeah, benjamin h. h john benjamin who that was brilliant on their part that they actually got him yeah because he played the, he voiced the soup can yeah he voiced the soup can <laughs> so they bring him back for another role on the tv show but what's amazing about that i mean like again he is, you know, the voice of two of the most iconic cartoon characters right now, Archer and Bob's, Bob from Bob's Burgers. You know, his career has gone off the hook. Back then, I think he was basically known for home movies, which was not good enough to stay on UPN. So Cartoon Network bought it and put it on Adult Swim. Like, and John he was Benjamin hardly, you know, has a van, which I don't know if anyone ever saw. Yeah. Um, I liked so, it, but yeah, uh, Jason Schwartzman was 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 in uh, is in the you know um, uh, TV series too. I can't believe they got everybody, and and they then there's also the documentary that's on Netflix, um, about right? The which making of which the first explains one. everything that we're talking about is yes. is uh, encapsulated in this footage from the making of the original yeah. Wet Hot, and it you know it shows like how they came together, how they were cast, how they got along. It shows like Amy Poehler as she couldn't have been more than like twenty something. Yeah, she was. I mean, it was her first movie, and you know it was funny because she even admits she was like, "Oh, so, you know, my, I'm friends with David, and I'm friends with Michael, and <laughs> and and they said they'd cast me in this, and I didn't believe them. It was very nice of them. I mean, it was before she had SNL. She was doing yeah. UCB." But it was before she had SNL. But it's clear if you watch that documentary that she's I mean, I think at that time she she was playing she was playing Andy's younger sister on Conan. But that was basically all that she kind of had. But it was clear. I mean, watching that movie, watching even just that documentary, you see her and you go, oh, yeah, she's a star, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, it was I have to say it was a bad. Intentionally. Yes. Bad movie. If you watched it thinking you were watching a serious comedy, like a professional big blockbuster comedy. Right. Which was the mistake that Roger Ebert made. And it's one of the few <laughs> Roger Ebert. I mean, he it's, it's in his I hate, hate, hated that movie thing where he writes this faux uh, you know, letter to camp and, and he just he didn't get it. And, and I understand that. Uh, it's one of the few times I, I kind of disagree vehemently with uh, the great Ebert. But no, it was it's it's um, you know, it's a spoof on all those kind of 80s, you know, camp movies. Um, there's a and, scene, and, there's a scene where the dude pulls up in a motor on a motorcycle and the yeah. guy riding the motorcycle has a perm Yeah, and you don't fully see his face, but then it cuts away for a second. When it comes back, it's, uh, ah, I forget his name. The it's, he's got straight hair and it's, it's like a black mullet and it's yeah. completely obvious, completely obvious. And it was very intentional. Like, you know, oh yeah. You could think that was a mistake or a horrible continuity error, but it was a no. very intentional continuity error. 
well, and then I mean, it was kind of like like those movies, like you know, like the the this you know the um the space camp movie and some of those other kind of you know teen eighties movies, you know, where like the kids end up saving the world and all that stuff, you know, and 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 it's got all those elements to it. And and look, there are parts of it that are flawed, but I really really enjoy that film. I think my favorite sequence in in the original film is the when when they go into town, and you know, they start by smoking cigarettes and then they're buying the beer <laughs> and, they, and then they're smoking pot and then they're robbing people. Gallery. Yeah. And then, 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 then they're robbing people, you know, to, <laughs> to, to get Coke and, and then they're, you know, yeah, exactly. They're in a shooting gallery and it's, and then, you know, cuts to them just coming back. You're like, Oh, it's always fun to go into town. <laughs> and like, it's just one of those things where you're like, this was, this was a montage we needed. And even the end of it, you know, the film, you know, it, it brings the whole thing, you know, the film is about, you know, that this guy's kind of quest for, for, for this girl um, that he's in love with. And it ends in a very, very realistic way. It ends so realistically. Yes. Uh, it, it ends exactly like that. Painfully would end in realistically. Real life. Yeah, it ends exactly as it would end in real life. Although she was much more verbal about the exact reasons than I think that, <laughs> that a real girl would have been. A real girl wouldn't have been able to like just be as honest about like why she was doing what she was doing. But I love that because... You know, it, 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 it zigs when you think it's going to zag. And it's the same thing, like, they set up, like, this, you know, um, you know, one of the jokes in the movies, they set up, you know, this this baseball game between, you know, their camp and this other <laughs> camp. And then they're like, hasn't this already been done to death? Let's just skip it. And it's like, yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, well, we just won't do it. Um, <laughs> the bus pulls up, and he's yeah. like, yeah, we don't really feel like it. <laughs> like, okay. It's like, okay, we got it. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's great. And so, no, I... Um, I really enjoyed the movie. I thought the TV show was really well done. I thought it was paced well. I liked Michael Sarah in it a lot. You know, I thought a lot of the cameos were really funny. Um, I didn't know how I was going to feel about them doing it because, you know, there is a tendency for them, for people to screw this stuff up. Um, and, and I think Arrested Development is as much as they tried and as good as some of the episodes of that uh, fourth season were, you know, overall, it just really didn't hold up. This was one of those things I thought it was a great companion to the movie. Um, I agree. And also... I really enjoy it. And I think that it just made the joke that much funnier. I thought that. Exactly. And that yeah. was a relief, right? You know, yeah, like really they was. could have ruined the joke. They could have ruined the joke. They could have ruined the fact that this thing is doing so well. And what's really funny is that it has become this cult classic. And Michael Showalter and David Wayne have said that they tried to do like a 10 year anniversary in 2001 because they actually had a number of fan events because there, you know, there's a joke in it um, where they said, you know, in, in the first one where they're like, Oh, I'll see you in 10 years, you know? Um, and, and they wanted That's to have right. like a 10 year anniversary, like, you know, DVD release and stuff. And universal was like, no, we don't care. Um, but for the TV show, they finally, you know, released it on Blu-ray and, and did some special features. But it's funny that, even its cult status, it's like it took, you know, this Netflix thing for the studios to even care remotely about the fact about, you know, letting them do anything with this footage they've had clearly. And, you know, there's been this big, you know, cult fan community that's built around it. And um, and everybody who was in that movie, you know, I mean, like everybody, it's just crazy how even the most minor people have gone on to do stuff. Um, when I was um, at an event with Michael Ian Black a couple of months ago. I wanted to talk about uh, this and the, the TV show and um, the movie desperately, but I didn't because I didn't want to be a super freak. I didn't want to be, I was like, we're judging this thing together. I don't want to be a super fan girl. Whatever but happened was, to like, Michael dying. and Michael have issues. I know that was so good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too. They're doing um, uh, another period now, which is yeah. the, the, the uh, first episode for the pilot was hilarious. 
I I laughed all the way through, so I bought it on uh, iTunes. And it hit some slow points right away, but it's starting to pick back up now. I'm looking forward to it. Are you a Key and Peele fan? Are you a fan of Key and Peele? Yes. Oh, my God. They're, I think they're the smartest comedy act of this decade. Have we talked about how they're ending? And, yes. And, yeah, we, could we talk about yeah, that we last talk, year? Yeah, we talked about uh, last Someone year, sent me a link to a Big Boy album that I'm supposed to listen to as a result of my criticism of Big Boy post uh, the Andre Big Boy split. Ah. And I will I will check that album out and may offer an opinion. I don't like offering. I don't like uh, talking about things I don't like. If I hate something, it's worth talking about. Right. But if you're just not a fan, you don't really want to get into it. Yeah. If I have mild criticism, it's not worth my time. That's fair enough. I just move on. So if it comes back up again, it'll be because it actually was really good. But or yeah, really bad. Key and peel. I'm going to the. Uh, which one do you think will be uh, the most prevalent in the... Uh, which one will be Andre? Which one mm. will be Paul Simon? Oh, um, he. Yeah, I would agree. But only because he had more star power to begin I with. I was going to say, and he's already done like more cameos and other stuff. And They were both yeah. awesome. They're both amazing. But yeah, I think he's totally going to be the... He's, he's going to totally be the, the, the Simon. Yeah. To the Garfunkel. Well, I have high hopes for both of them. Oh, no, I think they're both going to do great things. Yeah. Well, should we call it there? Yeah, I think we should. Um, do you have uh, anything uh, that's going to be keeping you awake this weekend? Anything you're looking forward to watching or, or uh, nerding out about? Any cool apps or anything well, you're working on? tomorrow I'm spending the day preparing for a party to celebrate my new deck. Nice. But after that, I have my modafinil prescription. So yes. I'm very much looking forward to getting back to finishing the next release of Mark and the, uh, the Envy-Alt successor Dude, and will you ever? Modafinil is the greatest stuff in the history of the world. Seriously, <laughs> I'm so jealous you're getting it. It's, it's so good. Um, it's seriously like, I wish I could score some right now. It's so good. <laughs> um, I miss it all the time. I love it. Um, I sound like an addict now, but it's just, it's so good. And the best part is there's like no like gives you all the pros of um speed but like none of like the feeling high like and like gritting your teeth part are you watching the um uh what's it called the one it's an hbo series about uh iraq I'm afghanistan not. i mean i'm uh, not the something the something anyway it's actually been really good with uh i'll with, watch that with uh why can't i remember jack black yeah, I know what you're talking about, but no, I'm not watching it, but I will. It's, yeah, it's good. But they, uh, there's a running theme of, like, basically the Air Force runs on ProVigil. Oh, yeah. No, totally. <laughs> totally. No, I mean, all those places do. I mean, in fact, it was one of the very first kind of drugs used for um, <laughs> when uh, Marion Jones, who was one of the, um, you know, Olympians, who was like, she went to jail because she lied to the cops in the Balco thing, and, and, and she was stripped for Olympic gold medals. When she was, you know, doping for, for her track meets, they, she was using modafinil, huh. you know, like it's, it's, yeah, no, it's good stuff. So you're going to enjoy <laughs> you're it. You're scaring um, me. No, you're really going to enjoy it. You're really going to enjoy it. Um, I'm jealous that you have it. No, you're going to enjoy that. Well, I'm see, that was, be... a, I really enjoyed Fogelin, but ultimately that was just, it ended up being too much. And then it was hard to let go of because I kind of over, you know, seven yeah. to 10 years developed a very psychological, yes. uh, they call it, um, uh, state dependent learning. And state-dependent work where you just don't, if you're not in a certain state, it, alcoholism causes it, 
where you just can't work if you're not drunk. Yep. Um, and I kind of hit that with the uh, stimulants. So if I didn't have these stimulants, my brain just assumed I couldn't work. Yeah, my, my body has been going through a little bit of, of, of that for the last couple months, too, which is why I'm trying to get back on my stimulants. <laughs> they always come back. They do. They do. Um, and if I could get some people to prescribe some modafinil for me, who freaking yeah. Anyway, you're going to enjoy it. It's going to make you feel a lot better. You're going to be more productive. You're going to get more stuff done. I can't wait to talk to you about it. So what's going to keep you up this week, though? Um, what's going to keep me up? Well, uh, uh, waiting with bated breath for Ryan Adams to release more information. Um, about his uh, cover album and more previews. Um, also, I've been loving this TV show. It's for kids, but it's amazing. It's called Clarence on Cartoon Network, but it's also on Hulu. It is the most adorable, fantastic show. I love it. I love everything about it. And, uh, oh, finally, the Apple Watch bands, um, the, the, the Modern Buckle, uh, yeah. are now shipping. Finally, where well, they're finally like, available for order, so mine will be here next week. Nice. I, I will probably get one in, in six to seven months. Yeah. <laughs> Which seems to be about my schedule with new about releases. About your schedule with new releases, yeah. No, but I, I haven't been that excited to spend $270 on an accessory <laughs> in a really long time. I didn't realize. I thought the price would have come down. I know the, the chain link ones are about that much, aren't they? No, they're 150 Really? So, okay. Fine. I'm not going to get one. I'm going to find a third-party one that I like. Yeah, no, you totally should. People were telling me, oh, we just get it on Etsy. I'm like... You don't understand girls at all. <laughs> we don't want to buy things from Etsy. We want the brand. See, so you, you have to meet my wife so you understand why I married her. Because she does not care at all about whether it comes from Etsy or not. In fact, I doubt she would even she get one. She probably would prefer. Yeah, no, I get it. And that's great. That's awesome. Like, I respect that. Um, I am a label whore, and I own that. I know, and and I've uh, all the girls I've dated prior to Aditi were not... They're, I wouldn't call them label whores, but they were more uh, concerned about uh, fashion, I guess. Yeah. And Aditi is uh, emotionally and... Um, and uh, personality-wise, very much, she's kind of tomboyish, but in a, I don't know, it's just her nature. It's just yeah. very laid back and easy. I love it. That's great. Yeah. Well, well, we'll hug your wife for me. Hug your, hug your pets. Enjoy your modafinil and uh, get some sleep, Brett. You too, Christina. This system is going down low. <laughs>